Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The first African-American ordained as a Catholic priest was a Missourian. Father Augustus Tolton was born the son of slaves in the Hannibal area in the middle of the 19th century. He was ordained in Rome and served his ministry primarily in Quincy and Chicago. The canonization process for him began in 2011 and still has a few steps to go. Joining me by phone to take a closer look at the process and the priest is Bishop Joseph Perry, the Auxiliary Bishop for the Archdiocese of Chicago. So nice to have you back with us again, sir. Thank you, Don. Thank you. I'd like to clarify one thing from the get-go, if I might. Since we've been promoting your appearance today and and speaking of um, Father Tolton as the first African-American priest, we've been contacted by people saying that that's not so. Um, Can you clarify that for us? There were <clears throat> there were three brothers, uh, James, Michael, James, Patrick, and Sherwood Healy, H-E-A-L-Y, who originally were from Georgia. Uh, their father was an Irishman by the name of Michael Healy, a businessman, and their mother was a uh, slave woman, and uh, they were the actual first ordained. African-Americans, but the family never really identified with the post-slavery or the African-American community. In fact, um, the most famous biographies of them and written records seems to indicate that they did everything in their power to be considered anything but African-American. So that's why Tolton, somehow the baton passes to him in this regard. Well, the others were of mixed race, obviously, so that is yeah. somewhat different, needless yeah. to say. Yes, yes, well, and their complexion, their complexion made it possible for them to navigate within majority society. Which is something he couldn't do. Well, we'll, get, we'll get that to the moment, but first let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about where we are in the process of canonization for Father Tolton. Well, after the uh, process started and we received a signal from Rome to proceed with research into his life, that research took four years, uh, from 2010 to 2014. We amassed a dossier of about several thousand pages of documents and correspondence and records and so forth, and that was signed, sealed, and delivered by uh, the late Cardinal Francis George. And then um, we dispatched that over to Rome in September of 2014. And since then, Rome has uh, delved into that uh, with a number of experts uh, to decipher all of that information and come up with a presenting paper that they call the Positio. Uh, You might call that a position paper. But it's really more than a paper. It's really something of a doctoral dissertation that's heavily referenced on a person's life. Uh, And uh, given the circumstances within which they lived and the virtues that they expounded upon in in spite of or because of the circumstances within which they lived. Well, that was reviewed by a panel of six historical consultants over there in Rome, and they signed off unanimously for that, that it was very acceptable. That took place on March 8th of this year. And that bodes well <clears throat> with the remaining couple steps in the process before it goes to the Pope's desk. 
It was very, very gratifying. We had actually expected them to ask for a little more information on this or this or that detail, but no, they didn't ask for any further information. Uh, it was overwhelmingly acceptable, so really leaves us with a great deal of satisfaction. What specifically are the next steps? Well, now that the historical consultants have signed off on it, it uh, the theological, the theologians will have to sign off on his virtues, which they will do next February. We're told that that will uh, appear before them February of 2019. And then it goes to the cardinals who are assigned to that department, the Congregation for Causes of Saints. And once their signature is attached to it, then it's delivered to the Pope. At some point during the process, isn't there some evaluation of miracles? Yes. They've just begun that. We sent two over in hopes that at least one of them might be might be approved uh, to advance them towards beatification. That's the most neurologic point of the whole process, the one that over which we spend sleepless nights. <laughs> They're well-documented cases uh, from physicians and their medical records and the individual themselves and everyone who knew of them. So it's, it's really quite thorough. What's, what, again, I'll ask to be specific, what is specifically being cited in the, these categories? Well, there's a panel. Uh, I've heard of at least in one instance there's five physicians and another... I heard the panel is nine physicians. They're asked to examine the case record of a person's illness and this sudden recovery. And they are asked to determine whether the recovery is inexplicable in terms of known medical science today. They're not asked to declare it a miracle. All they're asked to do is this sudden turnaround in health. Is it a mystery? Uh, could Is it explainable by medical science, or is it just absolutely unexplainable? That's all there is to do. Uh-huh. Throughout this process, uh, and I understand it's going to take a couple more years if he passes through each of these various categories and steps, if you will, ultimately the decision is going to be made by one man, and that would be the Pope. Is that not true? Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, so all of this work, if for some reason the, uh, the, the pontiff decides that uh, he's, he's not uh, qualified, all of this work could just go for naught. Yes, I suppose <laughs> you could say that. That's the, the worst outcome, but we, we, trust that, we trust that that won't happen. We trust, I mean, uh, if we can get him beatified, that in itself is a major, major accomplishment. Sainthood asks for an additional miracle, but someone else will be in charge with working towards that. At least so far, um, we've got to this point, and we hope that it bodes well for at least the approval of at least one miracle. Is he the there are only all kinds of people? There are all kinds of people who report extraordinary happenings in their lives through his intercession. Uh, some of them are interesting phenomena, but. The miracle is a kind of a higher shelf. Um, is he the only person at this moment being considered for canonization? From the United States? 
Well, yeah, number one, and elsewhere if uh, if others are taking place. I understand, at least from uh, certain things I've read, that there's some 30-some causes from the United States alone that are being currently considered in Rome for canonization. This is really quite an extraordinary story for Father Tolton. He he only served in the priesthood for nine years, as I understand it, died at a very young age. What about Mm -hmm. about his ministry stood out? What made him so exceptional? Well, when you consider the Civil War and its aftermath with what they call Reconstruction, trying to put the nation back together, uh, the Reconstruction was a very tumultuous period, very difficult. Uh, There really was no program for assimilation or adaptation of freed blacks into major society, so their treatment in society was pretty haphazard. Uh, The South was counting its losses and wanting to hold on to what they had, which was the basis of their economy, uh, premised on slave labor, uncompensated labor. And certain blacks were recaptured and thrown back into slavery, and um, it was a, a messy, messy situation. That's the background to Tolton's life. Of course, he and his family escaped their owners right in the midst of the chaos of the Civil War. They were hunted down with bounty on their heads. Uh, so their escape had to be absolutely successful because recaptured slaves were not promised anything nice once they went back into slavery. And he attended... Um, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, milling around in society in Quincy and that and uh, trying to get educated was very, very difficult for him, but some pretty heroic individuals namely priests and nuns, tutored him and eventually got him into Rome to study because there was no institution here that would accept him under the terms of of apartheid that existed at that time. And even in his priesthood, uh, some reviled him, uh, others accepted him, but it caused him a lot of suffering and isolation. But through it all, he kept open arms for everyone, either white or black, and uh, was kind of um, mistreated because of that openness and accused of creating a situation of integration that society and the Church was not ready for in the 19th century. Did he minister primarily to, to blacks? His first pastorate there in Quincy at St. Joseph's Church was to a group of blacks, but what made Quincy's situation so difficult for him, there were whites in the community who gravitated to his church, and that raised the ire of his fellow priests and even Protestant ministers in the area. Even his own bishop, who wrote to Rome and accused Tolton of creating a situation that was really unacceptable. At that time, so they advised him to get out of town. And? Archbishop uh, Patrick Fian in Chicago invited him to come up 
to Chicago and work with a fledgling group of black Catholics who were working, worshiping in a basement of a church downtown. And that occasioned his transfer from Quincy to Chicago in 1889. Were racial attitudes in Chicago at that time uh, much different than they were in Quincy? To a large degree, with the exception that racial isolation uh, in the midst of heavy European immigration into the city uh, was a challenge unto itself. Uh, he was assigned to the South Side, which was largely slum tenements, kinds of neighborhoods with poor Irish and poor blacks, freed slaves, escaped slaves, um, and not, no social programming to assist <clears throat> those poverty situations. But he poured himself out into that trying to help people uh, survive with food and clothing and uh, staying away from alcohol. <clears throat> he did a lot of AA work in, in those days and um, tried to create some semblance of a Catholic church for that community there on the south side of Chicago until his untimely death. Was he well-known? Was his ministry well-known at the time, uh, beyond the the, the, uh, the neighborhood, if you will? Yes, it was. And um, he was invited around the country uh, to give talks and speeches and to offer Mass, simply because he was a news sensation. No one had ever, had ever seen a Roman collar around the neck of a mm. black man before in the name of a Catholicism. Uh, even Cardinal Gibbons in Boston uh, invited him several different times to come out and to sp speak to audiences. So he was quite well known. No doubt about that. One other part of the story that uh, is intriguing to me is the fact that during this whole process uh, of, of his history uh, and uh, as the uh, canonization process, his body was actually exhumed at one time as part of this. Why? Well, the church is, well, that's a practice that goes back to medieval times when uh, finding the grave or the remains of an alleged holy person was one indication that the person really existed and was not a figment of someone's imagination. And then the church has always been interested in areas of persecution against the church, of uh, finding the remains and, and keeping them away from profanation by the enemies of the Church, who sometimes would take the bodies and, and uh, profane them. Henry VIII did that with uh, uh, Thomas Becket, destroyed the uh, tomb and the grave there, for which we have very few relics in that. Um, so we have to document... Uh, with a forensic specialist and our anthropologist, uh, what we find, if there's something to be found, and send that over to Rome as part of the process. And, and we only have a few seconds left. Where is he buried? In Quincy, at St. Peter's Cemetery in Quincy, Illinois. By his request, he, he was buried there. I imagine all of this, uh, the exhumation and, and, and the rest of it, uh, a great deal of ceremony involved with all of it. Oh, yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> I would have to think Detailed so. Ceremony. Well, mm -hmm. I, I, hope, I hope we have a chance uh, 
uh, Bishop Joseph Perry to uh, talk about this again soon. I gather it's going to be sure. 2019 before we take a next step. And I appreciate your uh, filling us in on Father Tolton. It's a remarkable story. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Don Marsh.